Welcome to Diffuse Congruence. This is episode 119 of the American Muslim Experience, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Omar Ansari. Assalamu alaikum, uh, Pervez. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Good to be back. And uh, we're actually back. Yeah, we're actually we're actually in person here, which is pretty cool. I want to tease it a little bit. But um, (laughs) yeah, we are in person. Um, You know, um, I I know what's on our minds and we we could probably spend the the next hour talking about the new Batman movie. But but we'll go ahead and resist that one because we're in the presence of a huge Star Wars fan. So we we can (laughs) maybe talk Star Wars. Um, But enough of the tease. We are actually um, well, one, I want to apologize. It's been a minute again since we've been back. But that's because we, like I think most of the rest of the world, have been trying to move to in-person again. And so that's what Omar was mentioning. We are actually in-person, and not only we're, we're in-person, but where are we, Omar? Yeah, we're at Zaytuna College. Uh, super, super excited and super honored to be here. That's right. We are at the beautiful upper campus in Berkeley, California. And that is because we have a very special guest, and that is Aaron Sellers. Um, Aaron Sellers was born in Washington, D.C. and attended Virginia Commonwealth University, where he majored in graphic arts and developed a special interest in film, photography, and music. After, after converting to Islam in 1994, he sought out different ways to serve the Muslim community with his multimedia knowledge and interest. This drive inspired his move with his wife and daughters to the California Bay Area in the summer of 2001 to serve the audiovisual needs of the, at that time, burgeoning Zaytuna Institute community and other Islamic organization and institutions in the local uh, Bay Area. Currently, Harun Aaron is the audiovisual manager and longest serving employee, did not know that, longest serving employee at Zaytuna College, America's first accredited Muslim liberal arts college, of course, where he has taken thousands of photographs and recorded hundreds of hours of lectures, classes, and other events using a variety of digital media to document and share the college's historic contribution to Islam in America and the world. Alhamdulillah. Welcome to the show. Aaron. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, Thank we're you. we're super excited because like from from my introduction to Zaytuna, I've been listening to those CDs That's and right. and then more recently like the podcast or the YouTube videos and of course Aaron's been the technology um, behind all that. And so we're going to flip it a bit now. He's going to be the topic of conversation. <laughs> right, right. So we're I super excited. Good, Let's yeah. see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. no, we are blessed. We are blessed. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a lot I want to talk about with obviously your relationship to Zaytuna. But as we often like to do, um, uh, and in the vibe of comic books, we like to start off with your origin story, sir. So um, take us back, I guess, to Virginia. You were born in D.C. Now, yeah. I, I have to say, I always like to kind of position our guests with other people we've had because, you know, my, 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 my former partner in crime here, Zeki, used to say, Zeki used to say that we are shining a light on the tapestry that is the, the American Muslim community. Mm-hmm. And so in, 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 in that spirit, I like to kind of tell you how your thread may intersect with other threads we've mm-hmm. had. So, for example, Preacher Moss, I think yeah. it comes from your neighborhood, yeah, your background, yeah. your backyard. Um, obviously, Dave Chappelle, but we haven't had Dave Chappelle on the show. But that's another not thing. Not yet. That's right, not yet, sir. Um, and that's a, the the only two that come to mind, or yeah, the, the only ones that come to mind. But yeah, tell us about DC, I guess, and growing up. And you know, were you in DC and, proper? And, and I'll yeah. just throw, yeah, yeah. We really want to hear from you about the things that, um, we again, just people who 
engage with Zaytun Akaj, they they may know your face, they may have listened yeah. to your the products you put out, but we want to hear some of the background yeah. stories and, and get to know you <laughs> right. and, get, and well, let get folks yeah. our listeners a chance to get that's to right because you. You, you've been like kind of the the eye and the man behind the camera, and so now we're putting not the camera in front of you, but right. at least the microphone. But the so mic. Right. That's right. That's right. So yeah. Well, DC, yeah, alhamdulillah, I was bismillah. Now, were you a child of the 70s? I mean, I'm not trying to date yeah. you here, but yeah. Okay. Yes, okay. I'm you're, 50 you're years old. <laughs> really? Okay, okay, well, well yeah. you're, you're our vintage, so. That's right. No harm, no, no harm there, um, or no shame. Uh, I'm almost there, but uh, alhamdulillah. Okay, sorry, so No DC. problem. So, yeah, DC is the, um, the chocolate city. That's the nickname. That's what we call it, DC, the nice. chocolate city. That's right. And um, not because of candy, obviously, but because of brown people, <laughs> you know? That's right. And uh, so I was literally born in George Washington Hospital and um, stayed there for a few years and then moved to, let me see, we went from there to Maryland. My parents, we moved to Maryland. Then from there, we moved to Virginia. Uh, My father really felt that he wanted to get us out, you know, to the suburbs. He was a Metro bus driver and, uh, and obviously, you know, plenty of routes to drive and D.C. and Maryland, especially in D.C., but he was looking at his, you know, his growing families, young sons, especially, and, you know, we didn't really live, I mean, we lived in the city, but it wasn't like we lived in, like, you know, like, the hood, like, poverty and, like, the ghetto. It wasn't a ghetto. They were just, like, nice inner city neighborhoods, Um, but I didn't really, I don't, this is something I didn't appreciate till later, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, his decision to move, you know, this young, quote unquote, black family, you know, to the suburbs. Now, what would be considered the suburbs at that time? Was it Baltimore? Was it a little further out? Bethesda? I mean, yeah, you would have had to go a little okay, bit, a okay. little bit farther out. Gotcha. And because you've got the Baltimore suburbs, and yeah. then you've got the Virginia suburbs, which are very different. Very different. Yeah, so exactly. Virginia is like Chevy Chase, right? And you know, we've had like Jonathan Brown on the, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, he grew up in that, and you know, he's a different zip code, right? <laughs> and right, I say that, right? Meta, you know, beyond just physical yeah. space, it's a very different culture. So, uh, and of course, you know, shows like The Wire, for example, have mm-hmm. have, have 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 captured what it is like in the streets of Baltimore. And having yeah. visited Baltimore and spent a great deal of time there, at John, around the John Hopkins community mm-hmm. area, yeah, you know. You, you you take a wrong turn and you're mm-hmm. it's still a rough part of town. Mm-hmm. So now, kind of position us from that. Like, is it better than DC or is it is is it worse than DC? In terms of where we moved to Virginia. Yeah, correct. Or you said Maryland, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Where we lived in Maryland, it was, you know, for me. I mean, I was a kid. This is elementary school. Right. So all I'm thinking about at that time is friends and playing. You know, <laughs> and. Star Wars, perhaps. And yeah, hoping I would get some Star Wars <laughs> figures for Christmas. Yeah. Which was when we, and I remember because it's when we lived in the, the apartment building we lived in in Maryland sticks out because that is where we live when I've got my first Star Wars figures. I love that. <laughs> you know, and Omar, I'm really glad you bring that up because our, Omar and I are cousins. I mean, it's no secret to listeners, but, we, and, and, and our childhood vernacular is shaped by Star Wars as well. Mm. So, like I, you know, I remember walking over to Eckerd's, you know, the drugstore down mm-hmm. the street, and buying Luke's. I bought Luke Skywalker from Empire Strikes Back 
And then we all, that was also the trip we got the little model airplane, the little airplanes. And, and there are a lot. Of, there are a lot of arguments about when we role played who could who could be Luke. But oh that's, boy, uh, that, there's a bunch of Luke versus yeah, Han. Yeah. Yep. Of course, that was definitely a battle. <laughs> so for you being, sli- I'm sorry to take this detour, but we're no, all Star good. Wars geeks here, yeah. so I I, I I almost have to. Um, you were old enough to remember probably seeing the first movie in mm-hmm. theaters because mm-hmm. you're slightly older. For mm-hmm. me, I don't remember seeing. A New Hope or Star Wars as we called it mm-hmm. but Empire you know I remember vividly right mm-hmm. going and then of course Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. and the green lightsaber but anyway right. so so yeah so you were old enough to remember going to seeing the 1977 show yeah like I said it yeah. you know I'm super young this is elementary right school yeah but it's like I may have even fallen asleep you mm-hmm. know what I mean okay. but it's like you still you know even just seeing Star Wars on TV commercials and That's right. Let alone then, like going to the theater. I mean, it was just overwhelming. I mean, right. it was definitely just like you would say, it was life changing. That's yeah. right. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Especially for myself, seeing a, in particular a lightsaber yeah. was just like. Right. So, siblings? Do you have, yeah. Did you tell us about your yeah. siblings and yeah. place in that. Um, I have now, you said three. your father was a um, bus driver. Yeah, he drove Metro Bus. Metro Bus, which mm-hmm. is DC. Yes. Metro. And then your, your mom's like stay home mom kind well, of thing. D, well, well, oh. Metro Bus is DC, Maryland, Virginia. Oh, okay. okay. Yep. So that's why he was able to make that move. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And still, out there he could transfer. Right. You know, to, you know, serve under a different station out there. That's right. And um, make that move. So again, for myself, all I'm thinking about is my friends, and we're just moving, and you know, then we go to a place in Virginia, Annandale, Virginia. Um. Whereas, like, for the first time, there's nobody that looks like That's me in terms of skin yeah. tone. You right. know, it's just like, mm. that was my first time ever having some type of sense of being a quote-unquote minority. Gotcha. If you will. Because in D.C. and Maryland, I mean, I, right. I literally knew one white kid in the neighborhood that we had in D.C. That's right. Just one. Yeah. And so it wasn't until we moved to the suburbs where, you know, there was definitely that, that shift. Yeah. Dr. Mm. Jackson talked about that too growing up, like where I forgot what age, where he had never encountered someone who didn't look like him, mm-hmm. you know, up until later in life. Right. And that's a, that's a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we have our own kind of, like you, you, you know, spending a lot of your adulthood in a small town. Yeah. In Mike, predominantly white America. Almost like the opposite experience. Yeah. Like when I showed up to yeah, the yeah. Bay Area, it's almost the opposite experience. But I'm mm-hmm. curious also about the sellers though. Like, are, is your family, like, how many generations do you go back? Or are you, you know, is it part of that? migration up north at some point in your in your family yeah i mean a lot of family comes from florida okay florida you know especially on my my mother's side Uh uh-huh and then my my father you know a lot of them they're based in north carolina okay um even though they were in uh in dc for some for a period as as well too i see but in terms of that migration right migration as they call it Mm -hmm. is is from there okay okay so sorry going back to um uh, the um, the siblings. So you, mm-hmm. how do you place three them? younger brothers okay. and younger sisters? So I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. Okay, mm-hmm. I can relate. I'm the oldest of three. Oh, okay, <laughs> but three. Yeah, I'm the oldest of three. Um, and but that's great. You grew up so with 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 sisters and brothers. One, yeah, one, oh, sister, one sister and then okay. three brothers. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so um, yeah, I guess it, so. Star Wars life changing. Um, mm-hmm. do you think that would later play a part in your kind of continued interest in the arts and maybe specifically even you know media and technology i mean just 
That's one of those hard yeah, questions. Yeah, no, that's an, that's an interesting question. I think subconsciously it probably did. Yeah. Um, because I, I wouldn't really think of it in that context uh-huh. until much later. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and Star Wars has a spiritual element too, and we're going to get to the conversion mm-hmm. story. Um, yeah. But uh, Star, Star Wars has a huge spiritual element right. that you cannot ignore. But that's I want to hear about um, the rest of your, your, your teenage years. It sounds like a very normal suburban yeah um not late 1970s well music was a big especially in terms of just my interest in media jazz music was a huge part of my household Mm -hmm. um especially for well actually both my mom she just loved to sing and also act i think she always had a dream of being an actress you know that i think she tried to carry out through me trying to you know getting me into acting classes Mm -hmm. and me ending up, you know, being an extra in some films and getting an agent and doing some commercials. Oh, you went that far? Oh, yeah. yeah. After wow. a SAG, you know, uh-huh. the unions. Are you a pretty, that's like pretty that. serious. That's, yeah, so, that is serious. So that was an interesting chapter. So, but also my dad, he was just huge music lover but not only that like such a variety. Okay. So yeah, what is what's know, the soundtrack? So you had yeah, like, what is the what's soundtrack? What's the soundtrack of your youth? Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, Steppenwolf, then you had all the R&B classics, nice. you know, so usually you didn't hear like that, such a mix that is a like that in the average, yeah. you know, where you have also Parliament, Funkadelic, George Clinton, Bootsy Collins. Love it. You know, going back, all Al Green. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that that whole spectrum. So to me, it was just I didn't really think of music in categories because mm. of that. It I was just that. like, OK, there's this sound and there's this vibe and then there's this vibe. Mm. And I just loved all of it. Yeah. So did you then pick up an instrument at, at a young age? Well, well, that's definitely a story. We want to hear it. Yeah. I, um, my, my earliest, biggest musical influence was Elvis Presley. In, in particular, the song, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. Right. God, I love that song. And I was like, got my parents to get me guitar lessons and an acoustic guitar. I said, I want to play guitar because I'm going to be like, Elvis and and even I remember I can't remember who was the uh, the actual uh, artist we were going to see in concert, but I remember sitting I was sitting in the front row and the guy called me up to stage. He's like, "Hey, young man, I want you to come up stage and say something." And I'm on the stage in front of this you know this huge audience of wherever that venue was. And he said, "What you want to say? Sing something." And I started singing, "You ain't nothing but a hound dog," nice. <laughs> right there on stage. Love it. So that did inspire me to attempt um, an instrument at that time, which was was a guitar, which was very short lived. And um, because I didn't realize just how hard, at least for me, like, okay, this isn't going to be okay in 30 days, you're going to be ready to rock. No, like, this is going to take some time, commitment, some, you know, method to it. And I wasn't ready for all that, you know. <laughs> I just wanted to rock. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was that was a definite early influence. And then in later years, I would say my other biggest influence was Prince for sure. Mm. I would say he was like the dominant musical force because he also yeah he was also someone that I felt combined all these different very much true. genres that I was you already into pigeonhole like yeah um, the Prince into a genre. Right, you know, because he would rock that guitar, and at the same time, there was obviously a lot of R and B and mm-hmm. blues stuff as well, but just also just classic rock. So he had everything. I mean, but I then also to, yeah. spiritually, 
here's a person also really trying to deal with this, mm. you know, between this dynamic between sensuality and lust and faith and spirituality and right. God all in the same album, like really gritty things, oh, yeah. you know, down to like Darling Nikki and then When Doves Cry and then right. literally like religious songs. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was like, that's my guy. And so it was kind of cool also to find out we were both shared the same birthday, June 7th. So oh, nice. that kind of made it, <laughs> nice. took it another level. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you got, you got the music interest, you have yeah, the Star yeah. Wars interest, yep. you had the, a bit of, you said acting and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So no. tell us what, how you, what, yeah. what, what you did with all those and where that led to. Although like we, we, we talk about music and we, we, we did mention and talk about Star Wars. I mean, mm -hmm. John Williams score and what that, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, oh, cause to me, that's the first time I remember being cognizant of music in a movie mm -hmm. was listening to, and so, the, you know, I, I joke, like, because he you asked, like, what was the soundtrack of your youth? But I think for a lot of us, John Williams. Yeah, Indiana Jones, Indiana Star, Jones Wars, Star Wars, right? That big of Jaws. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. one of my earliest movie experiences was my parents taking me to Jaws. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that, that kind of becomes a soundtrack to, 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 but I, do you remember consciously, like, appreciating, like, soundtrack, music, and kind of that big epic sound? Yeah, well, especially yeah. as, again, as I got older. Right. Um, especially junior high school and high school, there was a movie called Legend uh, with Tom Cruise, yep. mm -hmm. you know, fantasy movie. That's right. And uh, had the big kind of devil looking guy and uh -huh. unicorns and fairies. And that movie till today, that's just like my go to oh, nice. retro film. And it's also because of the soundtrack oh. uh, where there were two different soundtracks but the one the theatrical soundtrack was by a group called tangerine dream yes and i mean i know the group not the soundtrack that soundtrack had a big effect on me because it had like the full range of like of my temperament i think I like you know that. i love like fantasy and ethereal yep. kind of soundscapes and then i like like the dark you know really moody brooding and this is a soundtrack that had that full mm. spectrum mm. And um, then obviously visually the film, I was like, gosh, like the guy who played uh, the character Darkness, you know, like the devil looking guy, I just thought they did such an awesome job of the way that character looked. Yeah. So you have that guy and then you have unicorns. Man, it was, like I said, I literally, you know, full disclosure, I just last weekend purchased the soundtrack on iTunes. Nice. Wow. I'm, so I, I could have a higher quality version of it. Okay. I'm gonna have to check that. I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> I've seen the movie. I don't remember the sound as much. It's funny, like it, the, but that's definitely like one of those sort of guilty pleasures. Like to, my, to, my, my equivalent to that would be uh, Flash Gordon mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. So I hear right now. Yeah. Right. And that's Queen mm -hmm. doing the soundtrack, and it's not ethereal like you're describing, but I mean it has a very distinct sound epic. for sure. It's epic. And it's a part of the movie. It's as much of a character as Flash Gordon or Ming the Merciless. And, and mine's much less sophisticated. Mine's yeah. Rocky IV. What is <laughs> yours? Rocky IV. Oh, okay, Rocky IV. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And of course, that has its yep. own. That's right. I mean, you can't watch, you can't talk Rocky without music montages. Exactly. It's a, it had most, it's a big, long music video with a few uh, acting <laughs> scenes thrown in. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly, exactly right. That's exactly so right. So see, then as I, yeah. I get... Older than the soundtrack became like Public Enemy, mm. Cypress Hill, Public Enemy, early nineties, Soundgarden, yeah, you know, early and Nirvana. But to hearing you say that, like, so you maintain that kind of eclectic approach to music throughout. Yeah, for sure. Like you know, again, because you're mentioning Public Enemy, because that, that's how I am. So I just 
relate to what you're what you're sharing because I, I can say you know Public Enemy and Soundgarden and Nirvana and Pearl Jam in the same breath mm-hmm. not not everyone can mm-hmm. so I find that really fascinating um well then I end up working at a record store really here Kent, Kent Mill Records okay, in no. Virginia okay and that so that took it to a whole nother level you I know in that. terms of me just being able really being a playground of sound you know That's beautiful. to really just swap records in and out of the player and then we moved to, you know we had cassette tapes at that time and then the transition to cd and god i mean I, I i mean yeah it's just countless things i got exposed to that are still you know yeah. like in my system now the you know, 90s the 90s music some people overlook it but no, it was a it was a uh, pretty amazing because you had all these different genres emerging mm-hmm. right? That's right it mm-hmm. went from kind of you know, one not one dimension, but one one type of music yeah. that was mainstream. The categories yeah, were very stiff right. and high walled. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. But the emergence of like, I mean, you were there. Oh, I mean, you were close in Washington. Yeah, I grew but, up in Washington yeah. State. So for yeah. you, the grunge sound emerging, right, yeah. the grunge coming out of the nineties. And I was I was definitely like um, like you guys too. Like I had the 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 small town America grunge thing going on, but then because of parents listening to this type of music and my siblings listening to music from the 80s and mm-hmm. and 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 just experimenting with different types of music i was the same i listened to everything from a to z like whether it's hip-hop all the way to mm-hmm. to rock all the way to just like yeah. european pop right, right. everything right. in the middle right you know but you you it's funny you mentioned uh, working at a record shop and you know i remember we had peter sanders on, on the podcast and he was talking about that movement of sort of like basically white hippies mm-hmm. who came into Islam in the 60s. And I, I, I don't want to misquote, but, um, you know, because it, I, maybe it was Abdullah Haimur, Allah, like, but there was a few people he mentioned who actually met, like, working at a record shop on Telegraph mm. Avenue here in Berkeley. So, See, that was right. like a convergence point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and that's how and, I would describe fact, it for me. 1969 becomes a convergent point in specific to so many people we've talked to. But I just, I, when, when, when the instant you mentioned record shop, that's what I thought of. Because, um, I mean, I don't know, there's, there's a beauty there. But it is yeah, that, you know, this generation doesn't have that. They don't. Once it all went digital, there, you go. there is no record store. Exactly. There is, so there is no, I mean, it's, it, so now, I mean, the, the similarity is their community became online based. Mm-hmm. You could say, you know, you could yeah. argue that. Yeah, I but agree. But still, there's nothing like what we had in terms of like, the experience. People interacting physically exactly. in a space exactly. and swapping that, sounds. And that's right. Like you, I you remember me, but like I go to, I still go to vinyl stores. So, and I, yeah, yeah, I know, you, I know, you're a record guy. I mean, I've, <laughs> I have, yeah. I've, I don't listen to as much music anymore, but just, um, but I, but I totally remember mm-hmm. Tuesdays was the record, the record day mm-hmm. albums dropped. New release Tuesdays, and you'd go pick it up, and it'd be like this thing you brought home that you'd yeah. unpack, take the plastic off, and read the lyrics, and listen to it maybe two, three times in a row, mm-hmm. and it was a and. If I listen to some of those albums now, it takes me back to that exact moment, mm-hmm. the season, yeah. mm-hmm. right? I can picture it in my head. I can smell, mm-hmm. right? It's, it it's just brings right. back all those memories. And yeah. I don't know if that's there for the Like opening right the now. saran wrap yeah. on a cassette or a CD. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. It's not, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think our kids can appreciate no. that. No. They probably and have like, their own thing, right? So. Yeah, I mean, like you they, mentioned, the community went online. I'm a little bit more cynical than maybe you are, but I mean, I just like I, I, I because I, I do feel that there's that there's something that they're missing out on, mm-hmm. not just like 
the like you're mentioning like the site the, the sights and the sounds and going to a physical store and having to buy something mm-hmm. um um because i remember like i used to ride my bicycle to the local, like the local record shop right, and buy right. something you know right. like cassette at that time but um like you mentioned though the communal aspect of going to a record store and interacting with other consumers yeah, because be like, there's people, plenty of people who didn't just come and buy and leave. That's right. People would come and hang. Hang out. You know? That's right. It was like, well, and the other, and me and Omar, I don't know about you, but like uh, the comic book store was like that. Yeah. And see, our record store sold comics as well. Oh, so. nice. <laughs> yeah. Barbez so, and I, I, yeah. I think even to this day, we even recently, a week or a few weeks, we were talking about, oh, do you remember we bought that album on That's this, right. on the, in this summer when you visited and, right, we in this we store? Ta- right. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, so what is so kind of what's next in the journey there? Well, so you're thing. working at I a mean, record store. It's interesting because the record store really was a convergence. Um, I mean, thinking about it, kind of like spontaneously with you all, it was right. a convergence of many like pivotal yeah. relationships and in, in chapters in my my life because oh. that's where. It was at the record How store. How old were you? Know, you probably like 15, 16 working no, at the record No, no. This was, let me see, record store. That was early 20s. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you were already done with college or did you go to college a little later? I had started okay. college. Gotcha. But then financially, it was like, gosh, we're going to be in a bunch of debt. I don't know if we can, you know, my yeah, parents are just like, right. I don't know if we're going to finish this. Mm-hmm. So then I'm home from college just trying to work. Gotcha. Keep it going, see what's the next move, especially in terms of just my audiovisual interests. And that's how I ended up working at a record store. And then I started going to, you know, community college, doing some sound and taking music, sound mm-hmm. engineering mm-hmm. at uh, Northern Virginia Community College. But the record store, because of yeah. a variety of people, that's how I ended up uh, becoming in a band, becoming a, a lead singer in an alternative rock band. <laughs> it's through people I met in the record store. Amazing. Okay. That's how. Because you were still playing the guitar. Well, I wasn't yeah. at that. I oh, said okay. I yeah. I turned in that, you know. Yeah, yeah, okay, got it. And um But you were a lead singer. Okay, sorry. But you, yeah, you I was that, I was doing music in, in college, yeah. in, in particular in college, doing more like audio R and B, you know, mm-hmm. type of uh music with another um, two awesome uh, I mean an awesome musician uh, named Red Kevin Teasley. God bless him. Uh he was a keyboardist, multi talented musician who I met in the dorm. Instantly, like yeah. I was just like my dude. Hit it off. Then yeah. Keith Henderson, outstanding vocalist. We just became this little trio. It was like, okay, we got to do a group, you know. So we spent a lot of time in, in 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 Kevin's dorm room with his keyboards, just coming up with songs and lyrics. So that was college. Then I was also starting to record my own kind of solo music, which I considered that at that time to be alternative because I didn't really. You know, the categories were a lot more defined back then. So I was really kind of doing a a deeper mix of kind of like avant-garde hip-hop or kind of, I don't know how you would describe it. I have to Mm -hmm. let you hear it. Um, (laughs) We'd love to. For sure. Yeah. But um, Because you're talking about the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm class of 89 in terms of graduating high school. So college is right there, 1989, there you, you know, yeah. early yeah. 90s right. now. I'm 92, so I'm right behind you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and Classic. that's where everything's emerging. Grunge that in 91, yeah, hip-hop. Exactly. You know, in, House of Pain, yeah. and then groups like Helmet and yeah, uh, 311 but, starting to merge, like hip-hop and, you know, alternative rock. Living Color? Yeah, Living Color. Yeah, Living Color. 
So uh, working at personality. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we, we could do. definitely go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. right. That's right. But so working at the yeah. record store. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, being home from college, but still like, to, yeah, yeah college exposed me to such a big world, mm. and then now the music store is really expanding on that, mm -hmm. in a way, um, because of the variety of people. So one of my customers, like I said, one day he was just like, "Hey, by the way." Um, where my band is looking for a new singers and he knows hey i meet all kinds of people working at a record store yeah so he was like hey you know if you kind of meet anybody that's kind of into that here's my contact info and i was like well hey bring me a tape i'd like to hear it you know i didn't say you know i want for myself i was like hey i'd like to hear it, you know yeah. so he dropped off just a rehearsal tape and i was like man i could write to this you know and i literally started writing songs like to the tape and the next time my song's name is john Next time he came to the store, I was like, I wrote like some lyrics, you know. To that right. He was like, really? Yeah. He's like, yeah. You want me to take you to band rehearsal? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. Right. Came to rehearsal and he was there, like, you're our guy. <laughs> so that's how I became like the lead singer in this band, alternative rock band called Motion Grind. Nice. How 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 far did you take that? Well, I mean, it was just local. Yeah. You know, but spending do, do you a lot get, of time. Do you do some recordings, get some gigs. We we did some recordings that I still have. Wish I had more. And uh, we did some live, you know, nice. gigs. gigs. I wish we did more. <laughs> but um, also, it's, it's it, again, and you'll see why this is such a convergence. Yeah. So then at one point, our one of our guitars, because we had two leads, bass, drummer, and myself. One of the guitars decided he didn't want to do the, the band thing anymore. And um, so he's, he leaves, and then we're looking for a guitarist. Mm. So again, I'm back at the record store. And there's this one customer that we had, and this is crazy because every time he came in the store, I was like, oh, God, not that, not that kid again. He's just so annoying. I hope he just comes, gets his CDs, and, leaves, and just right. leaves. Right. You know what I mean? He was just kind of really kind of hyper energetic. And I was just like, oh, God, that guy. So fast forward, I'm, <laughs> I'm at a party. Uh, uh, for, for with a Latino that a Latino friend of mine invited me to, okay. and at that time, Motion Grind was still in search of a guitarist, yeah. and so I'm there, and the one of the girls that I had driven, you know, to the party got sick, and I was like, I need to take her home. I don't want her just being like sick in a party. Right. You don't know we, what's gonna happen. Right. You know? Whole, right. So I, was like, I should just take her home. But who's there at the party? Is this guy? His name is Chris. He shows up at the party, and I was like whoa, what's that guy doing here? Kind of a, you know, nerdy white guy, you know, at this, yeah. you know, Latino party. And I was like, whoa, what's this guy doing here? But anyhow, so because I kind of put myself in babysitting mode, you know, for this girl, you know, she was just like sitting on the sofa and I feeling, I was like, I'm going to stay right here mm. and yeah. until, you know, just to make sure nice. she's good. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Chris came and he was like, he was feeling kind of out of place. Yeah. And but he saw me. Hey, this guy from the record store. So we started talking, you know, like now actually having a real human. Right. And I was like, wow, like this kid's all right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, hey, look, I want to go take this girl home, you know. And, and would you like to ride with me? He's like, yeah, let's go. And so when we're driving, I um, I'm playing the tape from the band rehearsal and stuff. And he's like, oh wow, this is cool. And he's like. Well, I'm a guitarist. I play guitar. Right. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. He said, man, this stuff sounds awesome. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. And I was like, no way. I was like, so you want to come to try out, you know, to see what the guys think? 
And so he comes, you know, long story short, he tries out a little bit of tension at first because he was kind of like perfectionist. And the guys were more like grunge, keep it loose, kind of just raw and loose. And he's a very like technical, profession, you know, perfectionist <laughs> type of player. Gotcha. But he's an awesome player. Right. And so everybody's like, yeah, he's a guy. And so now that guy who I was first like, I don't have anything to do with that guy. He's kind of annoying. Now he's in the band. Nice. Together. And now I'm going through all these different things I'm going through in my life because right. everything I'm writing about in the in the band yeah. was about my quest for what the truth is. Okay. Literally. Mm. So I, I want to, because I know, I know where you're going. So, and I already know, like, based on the time range or the time period we're talking, but I want to just quickly pause because you, you, and you've mentioned this without even obviously knowing what I've been trying to con like think of in terms of a question I have for you. Because you mentioned like being at a Latino party, this geeky white guy shows up, and of course you're African American. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about your band members, your other band members, but I had a question about music or the music, or I guess being a part of that culture. Mm -hmm. And I, by that I mean, you know, playing in a band, being in that culture. Do 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 you feel like music at that time, or even now? I don't know, but is music kind of the great equalizer in terms of you know where different perhaps you know, people from different backgrounds, races can kind of come together. Because I, I think you were kind of, you know, taking, um, or you brought up a, a few things that I wanted to uh, ask you, in fact, and that is, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, being at a Latino party and bumping into now your future guitarist of the band, who's a geeky white dude, you know, <laughs> that you remember from the record store, you, of course, being black. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was wondering if you feel that that scene in particular, being part of a band, being part of like other musicians, does that become the place or space where races and whatnot, genres of music even, can kind of come together and fuse? Or is music still very segregated? I know it's a big question, yeah. but I mean, I'm well, curious your thoughts. Given I, your own eclectic kind of background, right? I mean, I'm sorry, your yeah. own eclectic taste in music. Taste, yeah. I think for for most people again music was very categorized. Yes. You know, and people stayed in their lanes. I mean, even thinking about being born in DC, DC even has a very specific kind of local music called go-go. Oh, please talk go -go about Go-go music that. is like such I mean, god, I still just I just still really feel go-go music, but yeah, it's I'm very go-go dancer is that no, that's no, no, genre. different. What so now, like, if you look, and and what's interesting about go-go is very, it's drum and Congo based, mm. and um, but it's just totally like a DC music, right. you know, which means it does spill over into Maryland, okay, certain parts of uh, Northern Virginia, but go-go is DC, and it's like. You would like being here now in the Bay Area. You will hear no go-go. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the closest it got to mainstream was when uh, Spike Lee had some go-go. And uh, was it Do the Right Thing? They had a go-go uh, song in there. Oh, I got to go back. And it was that. like, yeah. okay, the go-go's getting on the map, you know, a little <laughs> bit. But still, like, I still think about that driving around. Yeah. Since I moved to the West Coast, like, gosh, there's no go-go. And it's a peculiarly, like you said, not only East Coast thing, but... but D.C. in particular, right, yeah. Right. And so... Again, across races, or is it still, is it very much a sort of a black musical black. expression? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And so that's what I mean. Music was still yeah. very... People stayed in their lanes, mm -hmm. you know. So it was in the 90s, you know, early 90s, it was just 
trying to kind of starting that blending of, okay. you know, different genres. You yeah. know what I mean? In, yeah. in terms of like, especially with hip hop, I mean, you have Run DMC, mm-hmm. you know, Walk This Way, yeah, you know, with they Aerosmith, had, right? With Aerosmith. That was like a big deal. I remember that. You know, and I mean, that, it was a, and it as, a, as a guy growing up in the, 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 the grunge area, right? It was a big deal for me to see like an Indian guitarist for. Sound for Soundgarden, Soundgarden mm-hmm. or, right? That yeah, was like a Kim big Dale, deal. Yeah. It was yeah, like, whoa, right. he, right? right. <laughs> because uh, no typically doubt. all white guys in yeah. those types of bands. Exactly. Right? No doubt had an Indian. Yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, then but, you have Public Enemy and Anthrax did That's a, right. did a, you know, did a thing. So it was like, oh, okay, yeah. something's happening that's here. In the night, you're right. See, that's okay. You Glad see what I mean? on that. Um, but, you know, because you mentioned DC's peculiar sound or go-go music in particular. Then there's the whole, like, I know especially this plays out in hip-hop, uh, where you've got the whole East Coast versus West Coast sound, mm-hmm. right? West Coast being very much Compton, Oakland. Yes. What's yeah. on the East Coast? Is that is DC part of that landscape? Or no, it's more maybe like New York, Brooklyn. I, I don't yeah. know enough about the East Coast. In ter- Well, the East Philly. Coast in terms of hip-hop? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all about New York. Oh, okay. You know. okay. Is it, is, I could be totally wrong. It's a bit more on the flashy side, right? It, well... In in terms of like the style of yeah, hip hop coming from New York, yeah. yeah, I mean hip hop in New York was more about brags. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's what I mean. Brag, yeah, rap. exactly. Braggadocio, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Brag. It's so funny because the last time that the word came up, on, at least on this podcast, was when we had Brother Ali on. Okay. Now Brother Ali is like a, a historian in addition to being a musician. Right. Right. Who, you know, I'm really looking forward to and seeing less than a month in Berkeley. But anyway, that's another story. Um, but yeah, so he talks about that. Yeah. Like, East Coast versus West Coast. So any of the listeners want to do a deeper dive, we, you know, go back and listen to the Brother Ali episode. But yeah, it's fascinating. And so in your experience, so coming back to your own life experience. So me yeah, being a, a black that, right, guy, now right. think about it, I'm a black Playing lead singer in a dominantly white genre of alternative rock. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You, you know, exactly. And so. the band rehearsal, you know, it was at the drummer's house, Mike, you know, total... You know, suburbs, you know, mm. when we would go, you know, ride to his house, you know, there's a lot of trees and woods. And I mean, there's the burbs. Mm-hmm. And um, I never saw anybody look like me <laughs> yeah, yeah. out in those parts. And then the parties we would go to out in that area, right. it was just me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? That's right. So, you know, hats off to them for even just being open, like, hey, I'm sure they were very aware. Right. You know, and even when we would go to certain places, they'd be like, he's probably just going to be you. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know? Like, and I would even see it, you know, even if they didn't spell that out. Okay. There were just certain little house parties we'd go to together as a group. And it was just like, they're like, you know, I get that look. I'm like, okay, who's right. this guy? Right, right. You know? Okay. And, and, you know, thankfully, nothing was ever really overtly negative. Mm-hmm. But it was like, it was clear. Like, and I understand. If I was them, I would look at myself too. Like, oh, who's that guy? <laughs> What's he doing here? Yeah. So You know what I mean? So does this keep getting bigger or does it come to a point where you say i want you know i want to try something different like what happens with yeah. this band because you oh god where i stopped you and brought you back to this question was when you were talking about your um search for the truth as it were yeah like right that journey um and i like and i and i kind of teased saying i, I kind of know where you're going but to maybe i think also uh, as a as a um lead into that conversation what is if you will your own kind of religious background at that point baptist christian okay yep but practice church going yeah, yeah like the family went to sunday you know went to church well or no, not so when much. we 
I grew up in a very church-going house, okay. especially led by my grandmother. Ah, uh, yeah, right. God, so that was a big part of growing up in D.C. was going to church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Moving, we didn't really have that type of experience in Maryland. Yeah. You know, because now I'm away from my, my grandmother. Um, my mom even did some time in the military. But then when we were back together, now moving to Virginia, yeah. now my mom was looking more for a church home. You know, where she could find, like, yeah, where's my church home out here, you know, in Virginia. And so then it did become, again, a regular part of our life, especially in terms of my mom and I, you know, going to church together. Right. Again, Baptist. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but then um, going, well, when we came out to Virginia, it shifted a little bit in terms of denomination. Okay. But it was still within, I think, what they called, like, the Church of the Assemblies of God. And um, then when we moved, um, then when I went to college, you know, now I'm kind of away from that. I don't have any church home. So that created a whole other, you know, state of being, you know, for myself, like in terms of like, I got to hold this down on my own now. Right. You know, whatever it is, you know, I need to try to hold it down. And so now being back home away from college, you know, it's kind of now like an off and on thing. Got it. You know, I mm-hmm. still, when I would go to church, when I was back home, I still liked to as much as I could go to D.C., back to the, the church, you know, okay. that was a part of my childhood. So you, you weren't rejecting it, but you were no. just kind of like doing your thing and with yeah, music. doing and, my thing, yeah. but that was definitely like my religious identity. Mm-hmm. It centered, yeah, but, it was, it was yeah. centered you and, and oh, centered yeah. the family. But there is an, you, yeah. you teased it, yeah. there is an element of writing search. about search, searching for the truth, yeah. right? There, there is, an, and, and the thing, and that started, I think, I mean, it started in college when I got uh, with my agnostic, my quote-unquote agnostic roommate right. gave me this book called The World, The Religions of Man. And um, he was like, man, I think you'll get more out of this book than I, I am. And so that was my first kind of exposure to religions other than, you know, Christianity and right. Baptist Christianity at that. Specific, right. So well, for some reason, the first chapter I read in that book was on Islam. Wow. I was like, I want to read about something I know nothing about, really. You know, I just had some, you know, when I... The word Islam, I thought of like the black Muslims we'd nation. see like in D.C. Yeah, right. in the nation, the selling nation. newspapers Malcolm. and bean pies. Right. And that's, that was my, you know, impression. Yeah. But so that gave me my first like reader on Islam. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that was super impactful. Mm-hmm. It didn't make me want to convert. But I remember reading about the Prophet Muhammad now for the first time, peace be upon him. Mm-hmm. I was like, he doesn't seem like a liar. Mm-hmm. I remember that was the the first impression that it got because it was describing how his reaction to receiving the first, you know, portion of revelation, right. the mountain from Gabriel, was that he ran, you know, ran down. He was kind of terrified and close to his, his wife. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. what's going on That's here? Right. And then he asked his wife, Khadija, God be pleased with her, to cover him, mm-hmm. you know, in a blanket. And I was like, here's this guy trembling under a blanket. You know, that doesn't sound like somebody's out to make a name for himself. That's right. You know, searching so, for, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I was just like, the limelight I respect more. that. Mm. You know, and, and that's what I really appreciate about that. But it was by Houston Smith. 
you know, I was just about to ask you, does that happen to be by Houston? Yes. And yes. we are sitting in Berkeley, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm sure, I don't know, if he probably never made it to this camp, campus, unfortunately. But, but he made it to Hilligas. That's right. That's which right. is another very powerful moment when I got to meet him. I would love to, let's you know? get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so that was that book, first. World Religions, meant the world to me. So yeah, exactly. Later. Yeah, yeah. But I, so I fascinated by that. And I would love to pick up on that. So but, big chapter. Yeah, now, right. so that's yeah. now, that's swirling in my mind. Okay. And then also at the record store is, I didn't realize that she was Muslim, but a customer go. that was also a regular was Muslim. And again, we're always talking all about all kinds of stuff. And I said something about Islam. And when I said it, she just kind of shifted and like, like, what do you know about Islam? Yeah. I was like, oh, I read this book, you know, and she's like, wow, you should get a Quran. Have you, have you read Quran before? And I was like, no, it's an Arabic. Immigrant, black. I mean, I'm just curious. Her parents, yeah. she's half Egyptian, half Turkish. Oh, okay. So, so her parents, yeah, yeah, you know, Arbor, she was American. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. She's American. And, uh, Interesting. She was like, no, they have it like in translation. I was like, oh, really? She's like, I can bring you one if you want. I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> so she brought uh, my first Quran to the record store. <laughs> so that's how I got my first Quran right, right. was literally at the record store. Right. And um, so again, that's what I mean, all these conversions. Right. And I didn't at get to say store. too that... The person that Chris replaced in the band, his name was Abdul. Mm. The other guitarist was Abdul. See, I, Abdul when, you were, was, when you were telling us about Chris, I thought that's what the story was. Like, he happened to be Muslim, but he was replacing a, a yeah. Muslim. I mean, by, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all accounts. You, you probably, you didn't know he was Muslim. Maybe yeah, time, like right? it wasn't some but real Abdul, big right. part of his, you know, that's but right. it was like, you know, but, if you ask, you know, I'm Muslim, you know, Abdul, like, that's my family. That's right, that's right. Nice. You know? So then this sister, she brings you the Quran. Brings you the Quran. And you read it. And it's a Yusuf Ali Quran with, you know, and I'm so thankful that it had Arabic and English, you know, like both. I'm glad it wasn't just English because, again, being artistically inclined to Arabic just looked mystical and mysterious, you know, and I'm looking at it like, Mm. wow, you know, like, that's beautiful. This looks awesome. And even it had the calligraphy, you know, and the circular calligraphy on on the cover. And I was like, man, I want to get that as a tattoo on my shoulder. You know, I didn't even know what it said, but it just looked so cool. And it was, I like circle and circular designs. And Arabesque, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe that'll, you know, when the band, like, <laughs> one of the guys in the band had, like, a hookup for a guy who was going to do us, like, some tattoos on the cheap. Okay. And so he's like, okay, what does everybody want to get? And then everybody's, and I was like, man, I'm going to get a this thing from the cover of the Quran <laughs> on there. And I didn't go through with it because <laughs> I thought you're gonna, gonna roll up your sleeve right, right now. <laughs> it was a little audio, I did, I know. <laughs> or I'm sorry, visual. Right. I didn't. I didn't go audio. through with it yeah. because of because of the Bible. Oh. I remembered something biblically about tattooing. Know, yeah, about yeah. tattooing and avoiding that. Mm. And so that's what I mean. So it's like it wasn't like I wasn't like a regular churchgoer, but still those little mm-hmm. principles mm-hmm. Like that, would yeah. pop up and still in, in, in many situations that could have been at a whole nother level, I was, would have some reservations mm-hmm. sometimes. So that was, again, yeah, yeah. now here's all these converging points. Now my religious worldview is opening up. Right. Now I have a Quran. So I'm like, okay, how do I even deal with this book? So now I'm like, how do I even bring a Quran into my Christian household? And So yeah. I kind of like, I didn't tell my parents about it. I just, yeah, I'm just going to take this to my room and I'm just on the floor in my bedroom just reading and reading and trying to figure this out because, number one, I was confronted with such a different structure. Of course. Because it's not a linear book. Yeah, it's not linear. It's not in the beginning. That's right. You know, it's not Genesis. Even by, yeah, that's right. It's not Genesis to Revelation. It's Mm -hmm. just like, 
okay, I can understand the Fatiha because Fatiha seemed like just like supplication, you know? It's like the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, yeah, the, it was very labeled. And then yeah. I turned and, and it said the chapter of the cow. And I was like, the cow? <laughs> what do you mean? So it went from the opener to the cow. And I was like, okay, this is totally like racking my brain. Like, exactly. That is not what I expected at all. And then not only that, it says... House of... Imran. <laughs> right. It's, it says, it starts with Aleph oh, Lamin. Sorry, yeah. A-L-M. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah, know it was Aleph no, Lamin. No, it just right. says A-L-M. A-L-M. This is the book in which there's no doubt. I was like, A-L-M. And they were in capital letters. Capital A, capital L, capital M. I was like, what is that about? Almost um, like an acronym or something. Right. So yeah, I, yeah. Well, I was thinking it meant alms. Uh, like right. charity. Yeah, 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 but I was sure. like, well, why would they spell it capital A, capital L, capital M? Now look down in Yusuf Ali footnotes and says, these are letters, you know, from the Arabic alphabet, you know, and they had it transliterated, Aleph, Lam, Mean. Mm-hmm. And nobody, and they these letters appear, you know, these letters from the Arabic alphabet appear at the beginning of specific surahs That's right. in the Quran. But nobody knows what their meaning is except God. Mm. Dude, mm. when I read that, I was like, wait a minute. Okay, because it starts with Aleph Lamim, A-L-M. And it follows that with, no this doubt. is the book in which there's no doubt. I was like, again, as a lyricist and a writer, yeah. I was like, you know, and excuse the expression, but I was like, this is like God's mic drop. Yeah. Because... Nobody starts lyrics with a, a completely unknown, like, like that. Right. It's like me starting a, a, a rhyme saying K-L-M. I'm not you, I'm him. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. That's right. Nobody does that. Mm. And I was like, how do I deal with that? Mm. I was like, okay, this, number one, this is... This is something different. Right. Unlike anything I've yeah, ever this read. Yeah, this is different right. because I don't know any human beings who talk in this structure, like who just put up some letters because then I'm, it has references to the other chapters that do that. And I'm saying, okay, there's a chapter that starts with Qaf and then Noon, Yasin. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, this is powerful. I said, okay, so right off the back, I know that there's something different That's right. here. And so I need to really, this book is really challenging, like my whole frame yeah. in general. And so that actually, those mysterious letters, if you will, ended up becoming like an anchor. I love that. Yeah, I know. I, that's such an important point. You know, I was talking with someone else recently because we were talking about Isra wal Miraj because we're recording, um, this is Shaban now, but mm-hmm. you know, during the end of Rajab is typically believed to be the night of the Isra Miraj, the Prophet's journey. And we were talking about how, you know, moderns especially, like, so especially, I think, you know, modern people, but more specifically, I, I get where, you know, I think our children's generation and whatnot, everything has to be explained by science. Everything has to be rational. Mm-hmm. If it's not, at, so they place rational understanding or scientific explanations to thing as the end all be all, right? That becomes their, um, you know, I don't know, key by which they mm-hmm. can gauge whether or not something is appropriate or it's sound or it's not sound. And what's lost in that is the metaphysical. Mm-hmm. And what's lo- lost in that is 
the supra-rational, things that are beyond rational. And so the mystery and the uh, of the mutashabiyat, like for example, mm-hmm. of the the those mysterious letters, um, the, the 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 realities that are on a metaphysical realm only, um, that being the anchor, like you said, mm-hmm. that's so I think key. And I think a lot of people, I mean, I hope not our listeners, but a lot of people I think are missing like miss that about the Quran. Like yeah. everything is about what well, does this make sense? Does this comport mm-hmm. with rational thought? And how do I, you know? And so that fascinates me, and I think that's unfortunately a you know one of the challenges of the modern age is where we demystify everything to the point where we even want to demystify yeah. religion, yeah, and religion being the ultimate um, doorway in, into the metaphysical, right, right, and the fact that that got transmitted because I, I was thinking about it in terms of you know the 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 companions around the prophet peace be upon him. Mm. Who were tasked with memorizing and some of them writing, you know, this this revelation and preserving it. Yeah, I was like, they they could have just left that out. Wow. Like, why didn't they leave that out? Right. You know. So true. If it's not part of, you know, but it is part of it. That's right. And they transmitted it. Mm. They could have just said, okay, why are we starting with the letter noon? Right. Why are we starting with Yasin? Maybe this is just. The warm-up, you know, yeah. when the Prophet ﷺ is receiving revelation, maybe he's just uttering some incoherent letters first, and then we get Dali, Keliki, Tab, but maybe the Aleph Lamim is just like, you know, it's part of like the first shaking, wow. you know, when it's descending, you know, coming into him like that, and it's just, you know, letters come out. And then all of a sudden, uh, the well-formulated right, right. words and structure, you know, this it's is like, the way I'm reflecting yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a tuning. Yeah, and, and the then boom. it's just kind of like you got picking up different channels. Yeah, and, and so then, a noon comes out, or not yeah, again, exactly comes out. You know, you know. But they transmitted so that, beautiful. so it really was just like that. What integrity and transmission? They're like, this is what he said, and this is what we transmit and, and preserve. And so I literally, and so I say it till this day. Like yeah. people like the, you know, Akida, you know, creed is very, you know, obviously essential in any religion. And so I was like, if you want to know what the creed is, because, you know, brothers, sometimes we like to test each other. What kind of, what's your Akida? <laughs> you know, what Akida are you on? So, you know. We've so, been talking a lot about the 90s, but yeah, right. to me, a staple of 90s Islam is to ask, yeah, what's yeah, your Akida? what's your Akida? Exactly. Right. Yeah, so yeah. my Akida is Aleph Lam Mim. <laughs> I love it. That's why I say the Akida of Harun Sellers is yeah. Aleph Lam Mim. Beautiful. Because that sums it up for me. Like, so beautiful. anything you think you know, that you got figured out. You, you don't. You don't. Right. You just got to submit. That's right. And so adding to that, that there was, to discover there's verses in the Quran that you actually have to prostrate. There's sajdim. I was like, why is there just a little marking in the... Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Like, oh, you have to prostrate, right? I was like, what? <laughs> hmm? Like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. Right. So, so you're, you're in your room, you're reading. What, yeah, what, reading. What's, what's your next move? So my next move is like, okay, this is like rocking my world. Yeah. Now, what do I do with this? That's right. You know, and then it's like, okay, well, what about Jesus? Obviously, I mean, I'm Christian. Like, what about that? Because I'm like pretty much believing everything, especially about the oneness of God. Like, That resonates. Oh, God, wow. yeah. yeah. But I was like, okay, Jesus. And then being confronted, I was like, well, yeah. I never actually thought he was God. Yeah. You know, I always viewed him as a prophet, and God is God, and he's a prophet. It's just mm-hmm. like the other ones, David and yeah. Noah, and those are all prophets. Right. So then, like, okay, crucifixion, but okay, how how am I actually forgiven? Because 
no matter what, you know, if Christians have different views on different aspects of their doctrine, they're all united on blood atonement through Correct. death on the cross. That's right. So I was like, wait, so if the Quran is not saying, you know, yeah, Jesus Vicarious was, atonement. Yeah. About the, with Dr. Atai. Yeah, and then what do I do? So I have like, to mention Dr. Atai, yeah. Sorry. So what do yeah, I do? That's right. If that's not there, just... And then, you know, that took me for like a whirlwind. Mm. You know, what do I do with that? How am I forgetting? And again, I mean, the bands, I'm literally writing about this in lyrics, lyrically. Wow. You know, spelling out this specific struggle, even about crucifixion and wow. all this stuff. It's like Cat Stevens or something, right? right yeah. Know, he's writing in the music about the, what he's processing. Right, exactly. On his journey. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So same here. Yeah. And it just gets to a point where, again, I'd say, I got to keep reading. I got to keep reading. Just try to work through it. Then I'm having, I have this big dream about crucifixion, which is, that's a whole other story <laughs> right there in terms of what, how that played out later in my, my life, what that dream was about as a, seeing that in my, as a seeking Christian, you, and then seeing it interpreted in a very popular uh, uh, dream interpretation book by Muhammad ibn Sarin, very famous book that was you, translated. You, you got to now that you've teased it, you got to at least you, touch you, on no, it. No, I wanted to ask him if you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's again, I have this very clear piercing dream in which I was crucified. And I won't say the details because that'll kind of then go into something that, because, you know, it's, it's still interpretation. Yeah. No, you know right. what I mean? No, that's fine. But... You know, I told I told the sister who gave me my Quran about this dream, and she was like, "Whoa!" Like she said, "Well, there are dream interpretation books. You know, go to this bookstore called Halal Co Books in Falls Church, and you can find it. There's some books on there, and try to you know ask around." So Halal Co. yeah, I'm like, I'm sure my bookshelf was filled with my mom's well, books. Right. Halal, filled Co. With Halal Co was a more of a not, they weren't a publisher, but they were a, a reseller. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I remember Halal Co because they used to typically have the biggest booth at isna yes their okay. bookstore okay. was epic that's okay. right it was like a aisle Got that's it. right in of itself so for me like it was like i'll, I'll see you later in halalco mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, it was the candy store so of like it was islamic the books thank you for us nerds so, right <laughs> so you go to halalco so i go Sorry. there that's and beautiful. i find that book yeah. and i was like okay it's a muslim dream book why would there be anything about crucifixion in a muslim yeah. dream book and mm -hmm. so it's all indexed, and so mm -hmm. I'm looking through the sea, and there's certain, there was a line intro on crucifixion, but all these different variables. Okay, if you're crucified mm -hmm. in a dream and you see this and this and this, then it can mean this. If you see this and this, it can mean this. And then it got to mind. If you're crucified in a dream and you're leaning against a stone wall, but you don't see your own blood, you know? Wow. <laughs> I was like, what? We're getting pretty specific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And so then it goes on to say it can mean yeah. this. Mm. And it was a very positive, you know, interpretation that that, okay. it, that that it gave to if what if you met these details. Right. And so myself, I was just rocked. Because it spoke to you in terms of where you were. Yeah. Right. Big time. Meaning and I was like, I can't believe did, yeah, the interpretation and just the details. Right. I was like, this is exactly what I saw, mm. what the experience was of, the, of that dream. But again, you know, it still came down to, what are you going to do with that information That's now? Right. You know, there's, there's a responsibility here now and an accountability. You know what I mean? So once I finally, you know, through continued reading, like, 
realizing at the end of the day, it's still about like Islam is the first commandment. You know, that's what it is. You know, thou shalt take no other gods before me or other than me. And I was like, that's what Islam is to me. Like, yeah. it revived, you know, and we say that's the first commandment. It's literally at the top of the list. And it's like, okay, if we believe God gives some priority to things, I was like, as a Christian, it's like, okay, that's the first commandment. So to me, Islam is really a revival and a reminder of the supremacy of the first commandment. Correct. So he. Yeah. And so once I really latched on to that, and then it was like, oh, okay, yeah, you read through that. And it's Allah tells us in the Quran, it's not and we have we have we have revealed uh forms of sacrifice to nations before you, but it's not their meat nor their blood that reaches Allah, but the piety in your heart. That's right. When I read that, it was done. Wow. Okay, so it's not about yeah, there's these and sacrifices that are made of animal for doing certain things. Trying and to place that, that's probably in Baqarah. Yeah. Verse. I, if it's not in Baqarah, yeah. certainly the gist of the surah is about that. Yeah. Like when you, you, you mentioned the cow, that's the story right. of the cow. Right. It's not about the blood. It's not about the, the gender of the cow because that's all plays out in that, yeah, in that it story. Does. Do you want a female cow? Do you want a calf? Right. Do you want this? Do you want that? Because it's not that. It's about something. The piety in your heart. Right. So I said, oh my God, like... I need to confront this. You okay. know? And again, I'm even writing about these things in the songs now. Yeah. You know, it's spilling over. Right. And uh, I was like, this is kind of forcing me to make a decision. Okay. You know what I mean? And also at the same time, again, I'm singing about all this. And now Chris starts getting into it. I remember after I, I, I literally had a breakdown at one of our rehearsals singing one of these songs. Uh, and even the song I remember is called Another Busy Day, Another Busy Day, Can't Find Time to Pray. My soul is sick and starved. My tombstone's being carved. You know, and, I'm, and I literally just broke down, like Beautiful weeping hair. on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, after I heard, she's like, man, we have to talk. And what happened? You know, after rehearsal, we sit down in his living room. He's like, man, what was going on? Like, you literally broke down on the floor crying. Right. You know, we're playing that song. And he said, that was so intense for me. I never played like so intensely after I saw that, like this is something else is going on. And I just told him, I was like, man, I'm just trying to figure out the truth. Yeah. And this is where I'm at. I broke the whole thing down and he was like, oh, so that's what you're talking about in this song, in this song. Now he's like, yeah. he's like, I was so focused on just what I'm playing and how I'm playing. Right. But now that I'm really paying attention to what you're saying, and he said, you know what? I'm playing for that now. Me too. Nice. That's what I'm playing for. I'm I want to figure this out too. And so that became now we're both in this journey. And I'm saying that to say fast forward, I'm like, he kept wanting to borrow my Quran. And so I got tired of him borrowing the Quran. And so the sister said, Hey, if you go to this mosque and false church called Dar Hidra, yes, just go there and ask, you can get a free one. Yep. And I was like, get out of here. Right. I can get a free one of these because <laughs> this is a thick book. You know, use a file these big thick book. Correct. And I was like, they just give me one? She's yeah. like, yeah, just go and ask. I was like, okay. So Chris and I go to Darhidra Mosque and we just show up. MashaAllah, Dr. Anwar Hajjaj, who was there at the time, shows met us in the lobby. He's like, may I help you? And I was like, yeah, can we get a free Quran? It's old school and it's it's a beautiful, yeah, it's a beautiful message. Yeah, big time, especially yeah. at that time. I mean, it was like brand new. That's right. You yeah. know? Yeah, and, then and we walked in there with our shorts and tank tops and earrings <laughs> and 
You know, and he just, mashallah, he, he was bat, so... He didn't bat an eye. He, just he did not you. bat an that? eye. He had a big smile on his face. And especially when I said it, and I was like, I heard I can get a free Quran. And he just did this little chuckle. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, can we talk, you know, for a minute first? Just come into my office. I was like, okay. As long as I can still get a free Quran at the end of it, like, sure. <laughs> you know, not, that way I and my, Chris can Chris, have, yeah, Chris, Chris is too. there. And I was right. like, man, that way he can have one. I can get mine back and, right. you know. And uh, alhamdulillah, long story short, at the end of it, he's just like, it seems like. You're ready. Yeah, you believe it. Would you, you like to become a Muslim? And I was like, wow, like nobody asked me that. Even though I've been feeling like this is what I already believe, but nobody ever asked me, would you like to become a Muslim? Like directly, and this is what you got to do to do it. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, that's a what a question." I was like, "I didn't expect to be confronted with that." You know, coming to just get my free Quran, but it's like, yeah, I do. And, and, and he was like, "Just think about it," you know. And he's like, "Just go, maybe just sit in the, the the prayer area." And I went and sat in the prayer area for a few minutes, and being dramatic, I was thinking maybe some angels gonna come down because they had skylights, and so I'm thinking maybe some. You know, I'm gonna get a beam of light. You know, <laughs> right, right. I'm literally thinking that while I'm yeah. sitting on the car. It was such a dramatic, obviously, atmosphere there. Life. It's big yeah, and, open carpet and yeah. skylights. I'm like, this is really a serious, you know, question. I just got asked that. Guy. That man just asked me, "What do I do?" And yeah. after some time, when there was no angel or skylight, I was just like, and no music. You know, what do I do? And I was like, okay, wait. If I leave right now and get hit by a truck, how do I want to die? I was like, I was kind of nervous about the whole fasting thing and the five daily prayers. I was like, well, I may not ever get to do any of the fasting, any of the prayers, but I do want it to be on my record that I acknowledged before God that I believe there's nothing worthy to work except him. I'm an absolute monotheist. And I, even though I don't know everything about him, but I don't believe the Quran fell out of the sky. And the nature of this book is seems like it's from a non-human source mm. you know there's just too much godly authority mm. here it's almost like reading it was like i'm reading like the behind the scenes of being oh, a god like tenzil is literally to fall from the sky but you know, right so, right sorry. right but you mean like <laughs> no, no, i know, you know what you mean yeah. no, no no of course so i'm like okay found that phrase funny. Yeah. yeah yeah i gotta i gotta deal with this like mm -hmm. on a very practical level yeah, so yeah. let me not just get caught up in like what you have to do that's right but just that acknowledgement and that's why i appreciate you know this this testimony you know this bearing witness i bear witness that there's nothing worthy words of god yeah. and i do bear witness that muhammad is a messenger of a god you know and that's that's all so once i broke it down without being so caught up in the, the rituals and what you have to do but just no i think it's proper that i acknowledge god how he wants to be acknowledged and that i don't I'm not arrogant enough to deny like somebody who could be a true prophet, even though I don't know everything about right. this person. But it came through him, so who am I to deny that? Right. You know, without some strong proof otherwise. You know what I mean? So I was just like, I walked back in the office and I was just like, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, and the funny thing is, and I told him I was nervous about the rituals, and he said, "Do you like pizza?" I'll never forget this because I've shared this advice so many times since. And I was like, yeah, I love pizza. And he was like, how does the pizza come? It comes cut up, and you eat it slice at a time. Piecemeal. He said, that's how you deal with this salon. Just take it one slice at a time. Nice. And I was love like, it. okay. I love it. The pizza now is metaphor, yeah. It. I signed up. 
you know, it's it, back to our kind of. It, it's not a. It's it's almost slightly a different kind of point than we made earlier about the 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 kind of metaphysical aspects and what that appeals, what part, or how that appeals to us, right, or a part of us. But you're searching for that light coming from the heavens, mm-hmm. or the perfection, the music, the mm-hmm. angels, you know, chorus. Yeah, that that didn't come. But that, even though you were almost kind of looking for that or hoping for that. But you said, I gotta I just gotta do this. I gotta take this step regardless of everything not lining up. Right, right. And I think that's another trap that we as believers kind of fall into. We talked about the metaphysical kind of lack of trying to or trying to wrap our mind around everything, rationalize everything. The other thing is when the when the aha moment doesn't come, or that when every prayer doesn't result in mm-hmm. a light shining from the heavens, you think I'm doing something wrong mm-hmm. or why isn't it coming? Mm-hmm. Oh man, this isn't worth it, you know, cause it mm-hmm. isn't coming. So people, I think that's another trap mm-hmm. is that we almost want that, you know, what, what's, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that mystical payoff. experience, mm-hmm. payoff, if you will. Right. Every time. Right. Without realizing the fact that you're even doing the act. Exactly. Is like a sign. That's what I'm saying. And so you, know? you did that. And so you, you can't just chase the feeling and the experience. Thank you. Like the fact that I'm actually doing this physical act. And what is this act? I'm not doing gymnastics or cartwheels. I'm doing a preserved prayer that a prophet of God did. Right. That's preserved. I didn't make it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that that is an ex, that in itself is like it's an experience in and of itself and it means it's a, it's it's also like a sign that God is in my life because I'm doing a prophetically preserved prayer. I didn't make it up. So, you know, we try to make it on our own terms. Like you said, okay, the mystical experience has to be like this and like this. Has to be the the dramatic skylight and it has to be an an organ sound and on the chorus. No, there's also you and your body and making ablution with water, you know? In a specific manner, the and then facing a specific direction, you know, see, that's another thing. All that's part of it. That is, and and again, that people tend to downplay that. Oh, like you almost hear ritual mm-hmm. Islam, or that's ritualistic. Yeah, like it's yeah, yeah, as if it's a pejorative. I'm like, no, man, you're missing the point because mm-hmm. there's again the mystery and the rituals, and and yeah. And the reason we're doing it is because of revelation. Thank you. It's, so it's, you're exactly. literally like... Like you said, this is a preserved way of doing that's this. That's what I mean. Right. It's not just, hey, I think maybe we should pray like this. There you go. Do it like, it's not haphazard. It's, it's revealed. left to your own devices. Right. So you're doing that physical act is, a, is literally a physical man's manifestation of something transmitted from the Lord. That's right. So it's a lordly you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. thing that you're doing. So it's like... Oh, okay. I just need to reframe this thing. And sure, it's like we do have, we are people who have God gave us feelings. You know, that's part of the way we've been designed. But again, a lot of it, it's just, it's just packaging and marketing. Like it's just perception. Like, okay, why do I look down on, you know, why is ritual a pejorative? You know, because you're not feeling, why do I want to chase my feelings? Something that fluctuates. But this prayer doesn't fluctuate. It's constant. It's constant. It's, so it's an anchor, a revealed one. So it's awesome. 
Even if I don't feel it, even if I don't feel like doing it, though, that's okay. But I'm gonna do it anyway. Exactly. Like because of said, who it comes the from. The payoff's not gonna come every single time. Yeah, and no. Okay. You're just dropping water on a rock. That's right. Just dropping water on a rock. After a while, it's gonna be a dent. This is, yeah. These are it's running. You know, we're off mic. We were talking about raising kids. I mean, but this is the this is the, yeah. This is what I tell my kids. I'm like, look, because they say, well, well, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Mm -hmm. Like, what's going on? Like, why am I doing this? I'm not feeling it. Mm -hmm. like, you're not going to feel it every time. Right. I've been doing this for whatever. You didn't feel like waking up either. You wanted to stay in bed, but you got up, didn't you? And look there at all the go. benefits there that you came go. in your That's life because you were awake. Thank you. All the little things you like to do and watch and your phone. That's because you're awake. Right. You know what I'm saying? So think of the other things you don't like to do, but there's this other bigger benefit. Beautiful. You know, so it, yeah. it's it's just perspective. I, I could spend hours just talking about this, but I, I want to, because I, I, I do want to get to well, where we are physically right here in Zaytuna too. So um, not, this is 1994. I know you don't join Zaytuna until 2001, but and I don't want you to have to cut short this period. Right, but right. But kind maybe of the highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so now I've now become Muslim. Okay. Right. You're Muslim. Okay. So I'm Muslim. And I then imagine you're searching for community. You're, you're, you're probably trying to navigate the various iterations you're maybe encountering. Oh God. Like you've got the, what's your aqidah ak, you know, down your throat, but then you also have, right? I would imagine. I mean, I'm just guessing here. Am I, am I right? I'm going to, okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you, I wrote about it. Okay. Oh, please. Here. I'm going to just. No, you read it. Here it is. Yeah. Muslim salad. Okay. Before Islam, I was lost. And after Islam, I was lost. Between this and that group was I tossed. Tossed so much, might as well have been a salad. I was quoting Hadith, but my wudu was invalid. A bookstore sheikh, not even worth a dollar. With do-it-yourself Islam, who needs a scholar? And if I can't purify my outer, what about my inner? Piles of books, but still a big sinner. And now I know better. To learn the spirit, not only the letter, and attach myself to unbroken transmission, to water my faith and make my heart glisten. Allah, that's Love it. beautiful. So that's something I wrote, literally, you know, trying to wrestle with exactly what you're talking about. Like, okay, there's this journey to the truth. This is uh, captured in time. Like you wrote this back then. Yeah. Or you're. Like well, when did you write like that? after converting? Oh, that's, and then being yeah. like, <laughs> oh wow, okay, you know, yeah. retrospectively thinking of the past. Yeah. You're writing like people this now telling me like, okay, now here's Islam, and no, come with us, no, yeah, you know. So, so I'm like literally doing like the tour, mm -hmm. you know, like hopping with this group and this group, and it was just like, okay, there's the journey to the truth, right. and there's a journey within, within the truth. The truth. That you know. What was it before Islam? I was lost, and now and after in Islam, Islam, I was Islam, lost. Islam, I lost. Yeah. <laughs> Between this and that group, was I tossed? <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, like wow. I didn't even know. I, you know what I mean? That's I wasn't. Great. I didn't know you were going to pull out a, 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 you know, a poem <laughs> to respond to my question because, but but thank you, because um, I think it is so important. Or what's the word that like your experiences are shared by so many you know what i mean and i'm not trying to downplay your experience. no no right right what i'm saying is that and i and that's why i appreciate you reciting your poem because i think it can speak to a lot of people both people who convert to the islam and people born within the faith mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because i mean in you know i you know i was born muslim but i mean i had my own you know conversion mm -hmm. as it were 
and my own feelings of being lost mm -hmm. because again you know this voice telling me this that voice telling me that so mm -hmm. and, and and interestingly enough it plays out in the 90s but that's just because right. we're of the same age um no but i think yeah that, that's a shared experience so so right. without but getting then, now yeah. look now yeah. all of a sudden a week after i take you had okay. it Chris takes you ahead. So, so who? So Chris, give us give, what's the what's the uh, the reveal on Chris? Who's who's Chris? Well, now that's you know he was the right? guitarist. You know, yeah. does he have to be a somebody? No, no, no. no, no. Who, but that, is, but that's what I mean. Here's just a you know he's the guy a, a, a white store. guy from the suburbs. No, no, no. I, okay, yeah, yeah. No, okay. So he's yeah. just somebody who converts and becomes is a friend of yours that and stays yeah. a friend. Well, yeah. That's like again that now go back to that record store. He was that customer, Sorry. the annoying customer the annoying from the record store. Who you lead, later meet so at a party. He stays on the path of you. He stays in this yeah, journey. Yeah, okay. then joins the band. Mm. And then now he's impacted by the songs I'm writing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then now he says, hey, I'm, I'm searching for this as well. And mm -hmm. I'm playing for this search now as well. Mm -hmm. Now he sees me take Shahada. That's great. He's like, wait, okay, this is pretty big. I'm not really, he wasn't really ready to do it right then and there. But alhamdulillah, a little bit after that. Okay. We go back and he's like, sign me up. Nice. You know, and alhamdulillah, like that's my best friend to this day. I'll talk just talking to a couple days oh, ago. Oh wow. That's you know? awesome. So I mean I'm, I'm talking to an Aaron Harun and you know, it's like it's, it's Moses and Harun, man. Mm -hmm. you know, it's Moses and <laughs> Yeah, it's Musa and Harun. So, so yeah. how, how do you so without getting too much into the nineties, we've done we've talked a lot about that. Right. How yeah. do you finally uh, get bad. to a point where you're getting not getting tossed and you and you yeah discover kind of home what is another anchor? the bay area being yeah. home well let's even maybe you discover it there like does something yeah. resonate and you find that anchor yes and I, and I will tell you so it must be really tough you're getting you're getting pulled in a lot of directions there because go. there's a lot of zeal in the 90s mm -hmm. and there's a lot of um folks who who have their own way of doing things and mm -hmm. a different schools of thought that are mm -hmm. kind of button heads and mm -hmm. they're and and people want new converts on their side right <laughs> right sure dude because we're like a trophy that's right you um, know and everybody wants the trophy so true so what so you're you convert and your friend converts your best bud yeah um how, how do you how do you start getting exposed right. to some of these some of these different uh yeah like who what are you navigating you know Right, because I, well, I don't know about the East Coast and what's in. Are you in? You're in Virginia. I mean, yeah, Falls Church, Darhidra's in Falls Church. So okay, you have Darhidra, yeah, right. and then the Adams Center. Okay, comes into play. You man, Majid. You know, this is all very much in its infancy. Right. You know these. You know the, the, these these. You know in what are now like these are like major institutions course, now, like cornerstones. You know of, of Northern Virginia Muslim communities. Yeah. You know, but at that time, you know, it was just a handful of people praying at Darhidra and, you know, just a, a, and I think, you know, we benefited from that as new converts because we got a lot of care and attention. And you then, know, and we, then you, you threw out the term trophy. Maybe we double click on that because that's, yeah. that's got a lot of, that's, there's, there's a lot to say about it's a that. There right? is a it's lot to say about it, but there is a lot because... What I come to realize about that, and the reason I, I even use that term now, that's from, you know, some thought, you know, and being a convert in the way that we've been treated, you know, for good and bad, then learning even more about like kind of Arab culture and like they're people of victory. We like victories, you know, even just reading like, you know, history, they, they like to brag about their accomplishments and their ancestors and so I was like, okay, there's a kind of a victory culture I love here. That. 
And that's not like a dig at, at Arabs no, because no, there's benefit reality. in that mentality. Like, of course. no, like we have honor and dignity and pride, right. you know, but religion comes to temper that and put it in a balance. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And so I realized like, gosh, like, you know, everybody that the Muslim culture, you know, likes to always talk about its champions, you know, and we're like the converts are assigning it. Look, we got a new convert. And, you know, so we're like the trophy. And, and you know? as somebody who grew up in the 90s, I mean, in America, there's also a celebrity culture mm -hmm. that plays a part, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, we get excited when people convert mm -hmm. to, to Islam because, I mean, we're part of that celebrity culture mm -hmm. too, right? And we certainly see that developing in the 90s, actually. Yes. I'm saying within our community yeah. is where I begin to see the um, genesis, if you were, the beginnings of that kind of celebrity mm -hmm. imam, celebrity culture right. happening. But no, it, and if I may, and you know, you mentioned trophy, but because there's a flip side a though, trophy, because no, no, but there's a, there's there's also gold medal and silver. I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm gonna be real, mm -hmm. like there's, can I just say it? I mean, mm -hmm. like white convert man. Yeah, that's that's the gold prize. That's the gold prize. Yep, yep. And so you mentioning trophy, that's what I'm saying. And thank you for double clicking on it, Omar, to use your term. I love that. Um, because it's a lot, bro. It's mm -hmm. a lot. It is a lot. And, and that's the thing. So you see this black and white convert, you know, now this the duo. Quest. Oh, yeah, because you know, Chris is white. Yeah. Fascinating. So there's this duo. And again, it's super young community there. So it's just like. Wow, here's this kind of young, brand new mosque that's opened up still. Just a you know, a handful of immigrants coming to pray. And then you got this black guy and this white guy who converted like Allah Akbar. Like, wow. And it's in alhamdulillah, we should feel excited. That should revive, you know, when people like when you mm -hmm. witness people taking shahada, like that's why they say you should also repeat your shahada, yeah, like correct. renew it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's inspiring for me when I see people, you know, yeah. accept Islam. I, I repeat it myself. So it's like I get that. But there's also, again, you mix that yeah. with celebrity culture, you know, kind of like leanings. Said, the, and, the kind of quest, the win, the, the victory, yeah. cult, you know, right. Right. right? But nobody win. wants to talk about the losses. Thank you. And that's what's really difficult. Right. You know, how many, not, you know, Islam is the fastest growing religion. We love to see that, but. How many people do we lose this Correct. year who There's just checked door. out? There's a back door. Yeah. There's a back door. And that's, that's more what I'm actually interested in. Okay. Like, right. Those folks. The other thing about, you know, because, you, you, again, the, the idea of the trophy, man, that is so, I never quite heard it put that way. And I think, that, you know, I think there's a lot to unpack there. Because the other thing is, um, like we talked about, obviously, there's grades. There's the first place trophy, second mm -hmm. place trophy. But not only that, um, you know, a trophy is usually, typically, let's just say, I mean, again, there's exceptions, but mm -hmm. it's after like a game or a match. It's an event. Right, right. And I think that also goes to this idea of like, well, you know, when did you convert to Islam or what led you, to, as mm -hmm. if conversion is an event mm -hmm. and it never is an event. Mm -hmm. It's a process. Mm -hmm. I think Osama said that. In fact, I think on this podcast, I mean, you know, Allah bless him. Mm -hmm. Like, like you know, Islam is a process and not an event. And hence, you know, you're not given a trophy. You know, I know I'm kind of changing, you know, yeah. like, like changing up the metaphor a little bit. Mm -hmm. But you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that plays out as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, it's... <laughs> you know, people want to hear your story yeah. because they want to be inspired. 
Right, it, right, Because right, you talked right. about Arab culture. Mm-hmm. One of the things we find in Jahidi poetry even is where, you know, they talk about their military conquest. Mm-hmm. And it's celebrated and lauded. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you teach the children because it's meant to inspire. Yes. So similarly, though, like your conversion story becomes an opportunity for me to feel inspired. Yes. Good about myself. Right. Even though I had nothing to do with it. Right, right. But that plays out, right? Yes, it does. In the community. Yes, it You're does. You're seeing that. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's what I mean. There's, there's definitely a good to it, there you go. but also a detriment because it's like, man, we're going through things. You're sorting it out yourself. Yeah. You're talking about getting tossed, right? You're still sorting. <laughs> right. exactly. exactly. And there's the salad again, tossed. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right? So it's like people are, you know, what I love is the generosity of the Muslim community. Oh, right. You know, I mean, that generosity was had a big impact on me being here today. You know what I mean? Mm. But all the, so that, you know, that, that generosity really, it took the form of just lots of invitations. Yeah. You know, yeah. so many invitations to people's homes. Right. I mean, complete strangers that I wasn't used to in terms of just People typical American culture, right, like right, right. just having to come over and eat like that. You know, I had friends where I'd be over their house and dinner time came. They're like, hey, I'm going to go down and eat dinner and I'll be back up. And we can, so can, true. Can, you know, continue playing when that, after dinner, you know. Thank you. I remember I, you know. that growing up, <laughs> well, like being over at like Chris's house down the street. I mean, yeah, not, yeah. You know, not to mention, but I literally had a friend named Chris down the street. And he'd be like, I got to go downstairs and eat dinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I used to, as a, I guess, Daisy immigrant or whatever, used to find that so weird. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. if you Ju- right? Ju- Justin yeah. had to go home at 530. Yep, yeah. I remember but that. You're in their yeah. house. Yeah. And they don't invite house? you downstairs. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, no, yeah. no, I didn't yeah. experience yeah. that. Spokane maybe were generous. Yes, yeah, I yeah. very much experienced I, that. I share errands. Like, oh, where I'm no, upstairs, no, no. hey, I'll be right back. I got to go downstairs and eat dinner or eat supper. Oh, no, yeah. that didn't happen. Yeah. That didn't happen. That's what, yeah. yeah. And so you would just be that's, up in the room by yourself. Oh, that's interesting. You know, part of it was kind of cool. It was like, now I get all the figures <laughs> and toy toys to myself. Yeah. You know, I have to share, but. So so what I'm getting, you know, you know, I mean, like. Hey, I'm somebody. I, you know, it's exciting and inspiring when somebody, when you see a conversion, yeah. hearing the conversion. That's no, that's that's something to be celebrated. Yes. But I think, I think what I'm hearing from you is you, is you would have appreciated a little space to figure out your own next steps and your own path without people yes. kind of yank, yanking and yes. shoving you. Right. That's like what and, and, and like again like. Yeah. yeah, because then it Come became like, okay, now you got to wear this. Oh, of course. Got to dress like this and eat food. And, 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 you know, honestly, like an experience where my mom summed it up. You know, she was like, the way you were carrying your Islam in the beginning, mm. she said, I thought Islam was just like a foreign clothes, foreign food, and foreign language. That's right. And when she said that, I was just like, oh, man, I've been getting this all wrong. That's right. You know what I mean? Because it was just like a costume and like Absolutely. these different foods you're bringing in the house. Never even smelt these smells before. Mm-hmm. And it's all different. Now you're wearing this wrap and this robe. Like, you have to do all that? Like just to worship God? and like, you know. No, and I think we don't appreciate And when I say we, I mean as people who are, let's say, born in the faith or, you know, come from like a Muslim family, let's say Muslim background, mm-hmm. right, is like... Oh, oh, Aaron became Harun, mashallah. Like, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we don't appreciate, like, what does it mean for Aaron to become Harun? <laughs> yeah, what exactly. Does it, what does it mean for Aaron's mama that his her boy is not Aaron anymore, is mm-hmm. Harun? Mm-hmm. You know, at least it even sounds the same. But imagine, Thank like, God, you know, like, like again. Because it was immediate. Like, nobody him. asked me. That's right. As soon as I, they, people were like, what's your name? Oh, Aaron. Oh, Harun. See, I was like, so that Aaron. And I said, Aaron. 
oh, Haroon. And you not just like okay, and you, you know, just, just okay, just at least really it, like, for you it, just, it, it, there was a syllable, yeah. But but I'm saying, imagine like Whitney becomes Osama, like you know, or yeah. has to exactly, right? Yeah. Or Mark becomes Hamza, right? And yeah. you, I know, in recent years, you've you've embraced basically embraced Aaron, Aaron right? Mm-hmm. That's for your preference. I mean, well, right? it's like it's not Maybe even not like even embracing it. It's just yeah, like exactly. that's my name, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so I literally just had to. Write my name out, Aaron Haroon Sellers, yeah. as if Haroon is like a middle name. Yeah. It's just like a nickname. Like a nickname yeah. So I just, I instead of Aaron that. Van Sellers, I right. was like, I'm Aaron Haroon Sellers. That's yeah. right. You know, sometimes depending on the format, I'm like, okay, I'm Aaron, aka Haroon Sellers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just to help navigate because I'm in both of those worlds. Some, some of my friends on Facebook, they don't know Haroon. They oh, know nice. Aaron Sellers. Nice. Mm-hmm. But Muslim yeah. community, a lot of them, they don't know right. Aaron Sellers. They know Haroon right. Sellers. That's what they're familiar with. So I was like, okay. I got to help bridge this. No, no. And and what I was getting at is, again, like that name change becomes kind of emblematic of so many other things. that So many other things, especially for your parents. That's right. You know, this other rising. Yeah. Other rising in your mom is like. It's just foreign. It's foreign. For me, your early Islam was all foreign. So how many mm-hmm. years? How yeah. many years was that process? So because yeah. you, you mentioned converting in around ninety four, and um, and we know uh, that in the later years, late nineties, early two thousand, um, you you sort of found a home, if you will, right? Um, yeah. And we're gonna get to that, by the yeah. way, um, yeah. just to, to let our audiences know uh, we're coming up on time on this podcast, but we're gonna follow up on that story mm-hmm. in a subsequent podcast. Um, but tell us how many years were you in that yeah. in that kind of that that I don't know what the term it's is the zone the, home, the zone right? of of being um, looking. Yeah. Maybe it was like, like that Goldilocks, journey within right? the truth. Like, that journey. Or I think of the Goldilocks story. You're like 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 you're searching and you know you're like yeah you know this is this porridge is okay this bed this this home is okay but I'm gonna try this other home and then you know because you use the home analogy mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. Of, of Aaron finding his home. So was that kind of what it was, or was it not that drastic, you know, in terms of like I've got I'm gonna be a Salafi and I'm gonna try this mm-hmm. out for a minute because that's so and so brother and it kind of makes sense to me. Let me you know kind of sample this a little bit. Yeah, well, you might not even be conscious. I'm saying but right, is that right. What well, I think part of what helped for me is that you know I think it was even a song. I'm influenced by the influential, but that don't take away my own potential. So it was in the, one of the songs in the band nice. called Beautiful. Find My Way, name of the song. <laughs> but I remember that line. I remember Chris really liked that line. That is. Uh, too, I'm influenced by the influential, but that doesn't take away my own potential. And so it's like I always still had a sense of self, you know, and self-worth mm-hmm. and self-value. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's like a whole nother to go off on especially as you know black american you know and descendant of you know slaves or formerly enslaved people i should say that whole mentality that's just a whole nother conversation and what islam even did for that you know in terms of self-worth and you know talking about an origin story that okay i'm from god mm-hmm. you know what i mean if you really want to break it down where am i from i'm men on law like i'm from god <laughs> you know what I mean? It's from him we came and to him we returned. Yeah. You know, if you really want to get, you know, like to the root of it. But for myself, I think that aspect of my personality really helped. I'm sorry. Slide that in. That I, I, I think it, 
that aspect of my personality really benefited me in this like journey within the truth as well. Mm. Um, because again, it was me, I'm the lead singer. You know, I'm not just a player, I'm the lead. You know, so I'm more on the side of being the one that's influencing others as opposed to always on the other side looking to be influenced by others in the group. You know, I'm looking for my influence to be non-human. That's my focus. You know what I mean? So humans, it was, and, 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 and you know what, what, what really helped me as a seeking Christian, going to Halal Code books back then as a yeah, seeking yeah. Christian? That's right. Well, it's because I don't know what book to look for, you know, be, besides the Quran. So true. And so when I would go there on my journeys, many journeys to Halal Code books to try to find some other stuff, um, I'm just most of the time running my finger along the rims, just browsing titles. Yeah. And one of the books that really stuck out, it said, was called Deliverance from Error. Wow. You know? You was the trans the Ghazali, you know, translation of, you know, Munkid Minal Dalal. That's right. You know. And but I'm just seeing it says deliverance from error. And I was like, man, that sounds dramatic. And that's what I want. You know? Yeah. So I just started reading it right there in, in the bookstore. And I'm starting to read and I like I'm not, I'm not one of those people that likes to skip the intro. I like to read the beginning. Who is this person? What's the right. what is this about? I was like, wow, here's this famous Muslim scholar who was a scholar and he was willing at one point to say, how certain am I about the things that I'm repeating and saying to others? That's right. I've been in error or I, I, maybe potentially I was in error. Right. And I said, oh my God, like yeah. he was willing to ask that question in that type of position where you're not just a seeker wandering the desert, you know, this personal thing, you're teaching people, you're teaching people religion. In convincing, in a I mean, in, in, especially as a teacher like Imam Ghazali, like not only you're teaching, you're teaching in such a convincing, piercing manner, right. but you're like, how certain am I? Right. And I was like, that's so powerful. I was like, I'm really feeling this person. That's right. You know. And what's and fascinating I want is you were it was because halalco books. Just I, again remembering the uh, <laughs> the booth at Isna. You you kind of found anything you were looking for. You yes. But you kind of needed to know what you were looking for, right? And like, I appreciate so for, that now because see, you could get books from all types of persuasions and right. ideologies. Exactly. But still under there, it wasn't like this is the bookstore That's for this I mean. group you or that. Because you could have walked into a bookstore that was, I don't, you know, I'm not gonna name names, yeah. but you know, that was of this particular ideology, mm -hmm. and that's all you got. Yeah. But you were you were brought to a buffet table. Yes, at, at halal bookstore at halalco, excuse me. Mm -hmm. But I also found it fascinating, and maybe this isn't necessarily the first book you picked up, picked up, but it was meaning it was early on. At yeah. least. yeah, I and hadn't converted yet. It was there's that one. Books mm -hmm. you could have picked up. You know, again, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about this yeah. book, but you could have picked up milestones by saying mm -hmm. both of them. Mm -hmm. You could have picked up, which came know, later. I did. Yeah. <laughs> you could have picked up. Uh, I don't know. Right. There's so many. Mm -hmm. is my yes. Point. You so picked many. up deliverance from error. Mm -hmm. by Imam al-Ghazali. Mm -hmm. right, that says something. And it resonated hard to the extent I memorized something from it right there in the store. Because right. early in it, when he's now talking about his journey and his quest, right. he mentions a quote attributed to Imam Ali, you know, in Allah Nobilis Faith, who said, don't judge the truth by people. First find the truth and you will recognize who is upon it. When I read that, I was like, I'm memorizing that right here as I stand. 
And I'm going to put that in my backpack for this journey. Like literally, I memorized it right there. And I think that really helped me later on once I became Muslim and I'm dealing, you know, so many people things. That's right. You know, You're, and I, I mean, was you like. You got the map, but you got this nice little quote that's right. It's just like, hey, this is going to help it's me. It's like, okay, that maybe map. that's working for you, but that doesn't really resonate for me. But I'm not, you know, in some authoritative position even to argue with you or debate with you. But right. this is just not my vibe. You know what I mean? And, I, and, and in some cases, I was just like, this doesn't feel like the natural practice of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Mm -hmm. This feels like just something else right. that we're doing that, okay, you, this is just what you want to do. But at least based on just the impressions right. I'm getting about what I'm reading about Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, this doesn't seem like this is his get down. Can I ask you... Um I think I've wanted to ask this. So, like, as someone who converts, right, or you, you've embraced this faith, now uh, a newcomer, as 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 in you know, in other vernacular, to the faith. Um, do you feel the like? Is it almost like I'm going all in if I do become Harun, as opposed to just remaining Aaron? Do you know what I mean? Like, does that? Almost so because we talked about external pressures, mm -hmm. but how about internally, right? Mm -hmm, internally, mm -hmm. like, look, I'm not going all in unless I start dressing a certain way, unless I start, you know, change, unless I change my name. Mm -hmm. So, it, do you, is there an internal voice that tells you that? Because, like, the reason I ask is because, like, are you comfortable like being in your American skin, or do you feel the need to? Again, to use like Dr. Jackson terminology, you know, c you know, c commit cultural apostasy. Like, forget your Americanness because now you're this Muslim thing. Mm -hmm. like, do you, is, is there that drive within? Forget about the external right, factors. Right. Not, not really because yeah. I mean I didn't know anything else but this culture. Oh, okay. I see you know what I mean? Like, what else is there? Besides, oh, you mean American culture? Yeah. Oh, okay. But okay. American. So it was okay. more like. Other people, and like I said, when I met Dr. Anwar Hajjaj, you know, the first person, you know, I meet like a formal Muslim, you right. know, at a mosque. He was dressed in a suit, like a three-piece suit, like looking crisp, sharp, nice trim beard, like literally like, mashallah, he's a very handsome person too, mashallah. So he looked like he could have been in GQ magazine if you had asked me, but just humble. So, so bringing this full circle, but we talked about music, mm -hmm. we talked about the arts, mm -hmm. Star Wars, other things. Are you feeling uh, at any point in this in the midnight yeah. this journey, this phase of your Good journey, question. that you need to shed? Yes, yes, absolutely. So, again, a lot of that was external pressures. Pressures, yeah. you know, certain people who felt that no, you need to leave that all alone and that's just you know non-muslim culture like yeah. you're a muslim now and islam you know is your culture but what does that look like though that's right. that looks like wearing this and wearing that yeah. you know you don't realize the later it's like okay i just need to cover certain parts of my right. nakedness that's right <laughs> you know what i mean but i, I can have some flavor you know yeah, like right. you know so there was so then for myself it's like as a convert you want to get it right because this is a, I did make a major decision. I'm the first person in my family, you know, to do something like this. Like, we're Christian, we're Christians. You know, what are you doing? 
You know, so I, I if I'm going to do this, yeah, I do want to get it right. And if you're saying like, okay, I got to do this and I got to do that and look like this and eat this type of food and not eat this type of food, you know, there's kind of the must-haves and then there's things that are generally left to you and you don't realize that distinction early on. And so there is, then myself is like, yeah, no, this is Islam. You know, I got to wear this this long robe and robe and, you know, and I, and I never forget either. A beautiful one, you know, we we had the, the, the Sunday sessions that were at Dar Hijr with Dr. Hijaj. God bless him for that. And then we, they were like Friday halakas, okay. you know, that were going on in private homes. And um, there was a, a brother who was visiting here. He was on a, I think like a student type of visa, a name Muhammad Qahtani, God bless him. He's from Saudi, you know, like the seatbed of like conservative Islam, you know, the true authentic, Oh yeah, you know, Islam. But so when I would see him, you know, and we were doing stuff at George Mason with the MSA and things like that. And he was just always wearing like just slacks and a dress shirt. That's it. Only time I saw him like in a thobe, like kind of a robe attire was at his house. That's it. But for myself, I remember we, uh, myself, Chris, and this other brother named Nico, who called himself Ibrahim at that time, another friend of mine who I met in sound engineering class, we met up. He had become Muslim, too, like separately. He had converted, too, and we met back up. Right. I'm like, oh, well, I converted, too. <laughs> so that, you know, we, we got invited to George Mason to tell our story of our, con- you know, conversion to Islam. Right. And I walk into the venue, and I'm wearing... Like a pac- Pakistani, you know, shawar kameez. Yeah, shawar kameez top, and oh, then the oh, pant, sure. just the top. Okay. The long shirt yeah. top. And then the pants were like western. And then my pants, I was actually wearing a Somali like longi, like wrap, waist wrap. And I'm like, coming down like the middle of the aisle, and Muhammad Katan, he was already there. He gets up, <laughs> and he like comes to like stop me like before i get to the front and he's like what are you wearing yeah he's like why are you dr-? I, didn't, I can see his face how he turned his hand he's like why are you dressed like this you know here's a a very conservative modest saudi man mm-hmm. and he was like why are you dressed like this right. and i was like what do you mean like for me, I'm saying, what do you mean? Meaning, because I'm, I'm Muslim. That's why I'm just like this. This is Sunnah, yeah. yeah and he's like, you know what I mean? yeah. and he's like, this doesn't, it, this doesn't match. You know, like he didn't spell it out, but I got immediately what he was saying. He's like, look where you are. Right. Look who you're with. And I was just like, God, I wanted to turn around so bad and go home. And just put on some, <laughs> you know, put my Nikes back on. You know, <laughs> take the sandals off. You know, and I'm just like, I never forgot that experience. Nice. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. So that's what I mean. A lot of this stuff, and that's why, again, it's, it's really all in the Muslim salad, Paul. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right. so there is that kind of self-imposed. Okay. There's also that mixture of externally. Yeah. Impo- and then you're trying to figure that out. And so that way, I think one of the, the in terms of like, okay, where did I find home? Is It was from another convert, you know seeing lectures at Halalco because they had a VHS player that was always playing. Somebody was always popping in tapes. Okay. You know, so when I'm going, there's VHS tape of Siraj Wahaj, African-American. Connor, I was like, man, I'm really feeling this. Mm-hmm. Imam Zaid Shaker, 
Hamza Yusuf. And I'm like, wow, these are converts. So this is now late 90s now. We're moved away, right? Probably 96, 97. Yeah, yeah, getting into that. I know. Like, but still that same anchor of Halal Code books. Right, right. Because now, cause while I'm trying to figure out the next book to grab, right. now these tapes video. are playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you've added the AV And I'm looking, and it. I was like, yeah. wow, there's a white convert. You know, another one, like like Chris. You know, like, cool. It's nice to see, like, okay. and he's American. But I was like, wait, but he speaks Arabic, like, so crisply. Like, again, as a, a, yeah. a lyricist, I appreciate, you know, these little things. Like, I was like, wow, like, yeah. he's so... And what you're alluding to yeah. basically takes you from the East Coast... To the, to the west coast, coast. changes <laughs> basically your life um and you end up moving out to the west coast and growing your family here and establishing yourself here and uh establishing your career and everything and i think that's a good place yeah. to say we pause and pick up the story again because that's really a whole unusual. new chapter yeah it which is. is really unusual for us but it just turned out that way organically mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. We intended to knock this out in one in one sitting, but I think that we would be doing a disservice to what I think is a really important part of the story as well, which is you being here on the West Coast. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm going to defer to you, but I think this is a good place probably to yeah. tell our audience that we're going to be back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you guys will time, have me back. Save that channel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. To continue with the Batman motif, um, what we what that we teased at the beginning at least. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, thank you. Um, I mean, I want to thank you, Aaron, yeah, first thank and you. foremost. Thank you. For being so candid and forthcoming and just so deeply insightful um, with your story. Um, I think there's just so, there's so many gems here that and, uh, I'm, I'm honored to just be on the opposite end of. Yeah, alhamdulillah. It's amazing how, you know, you cross paths with somebody in a community for 20 plus mm. years and these... these yeah. Like These you and gems don't show up, right? Yeah. Like they don't necessarily right. get uncovered at that level of relationship. Right. See, this is right. why I love so, the podcast, right? right. <laughs> Meaning right. I love because I mean I don't have the history that you two have, but just yeah. It's, but this is the first time having a conversation. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, in the exactly. community, there's that's a lot of greetings. There's a lot of greetings, but not a lot of conversations. That's right. I don't want to put you on the spot, but do, you, do you, like because we've heard this from other people later, but. I hope that you feel that the podcast, or at least the, so far, the way we've been able to engage your story is that you've been having, maybe you've never had this opportunity to kind of share the story in as much depth as that you've been able to, you've been afforded today. Do you feel that way? I mean, I, yeah, you don't have to you, necessarily say no, it. I, I like to You hear all it, are, you know, hats off to uh, Brother Imran Malik, you know, American Submitter Podcast. Okay. He, he did it. We I did an interview with him. Nice. That like was really the first time like, just kind of scratching that did, surface a little bit because he was a student here. No, no, of course. Did, and did, he was but like, that, I know he did, did. that actually go out though? Like, where, yeah, like, people yeah, yeah. Like, go check it out on his channel. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, great, I'm great. Doing a lot. Yeah. Here, what what's what's now he, nice with you all is yeah. like, yeah, you all are giving me even more time. No, no, I think because there's yeah. more like, even myself is what's interesting. While I'm talking with you all, it's almost like I'm editing myself like wait, there's even more to that. You know, wait, okay, the record store, I could do just one hour on the records, like unpacking all the people in lives at the record store, you know, and then like race, you know, all the things I went through in race, you know, from college, like just that whole experience. Okay, what does it mean to be a black person? That struggle. Mm -hmm. And then like going through that in college, you know, even having like other students from Africa who were like, you're not black like I'm black. 
Right. You know? And then, okay, what Islam, how Islam impacted me in terms of just my view of like race and self. And that's like a whole nother thing, especially how prominent that still is now. Of course. You of know? Course. Right. And what, so, you, and what you said about greetings versus conversation. I mean, I've known you for 20 years, but we've never had yeah, right. that, this degree of conversation. Right. We've, been, yeah. we've said a lot of greetings, right? right. So that's exactly. important. That's, that and I ask that question, like I said, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not trying to get praise from you. I just, you know, I, I feel like we've sold ourselves or we've hitched our wagon as a podcast to the long form interview format. Mm -hmm. We're not flavor of the week. We're not, you know, topic du jour, you know, whatever's in the, you know, on social media, what people right. are talking about. It's more this. And so to me, like, I know it's a dying art, the mm -hmm. long form interview, because everything now is so, has to be so condensed and, you right. know, uh, tweets. sound bitey. Tweets. Tweets, you're right. 140 characters, 280 characters, whatever it is, right? So, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that people, I know our listeners enjoy listening to this still. So right. I appreciate you, you know, again, being as forthcoming. Because sometimes our, you know, although we have the intent to do so, the person sitting on the opposite end of the table or on a Zoom call like it used to be, never want to go back to that. But anyway, right. um, it, it was not as engaging. So it really right. makes a difference of having a guest like yourself. So thank you for no, that. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's It's... I'm more, especially once I turned 50, I think I became more um, more sensitive to legacy. Thank you. I have you a know. pitch, by the way, that I'm going to make. I was going to save it at the end of this podcast, but I'm going to wait for the next one. I've got a pitch coming your way, so inshallah, <laughs> yeah. but we'll get there. But, yeah. uh, so thank you, Aaron, for joining us, and, and, and really, like I said, being just an amazing and forthcoming guest. Thank you, listeners, as always, for listening. Um, as Omar mentioned, we are going to be back with a part two to this episode, so definitely look out for that. It'll, I hope that it won't be a big lag between the two episodes, so hopefully we'll be able to drop these in relative quick order. Um, you know where you can find us. You can find us at diffusecongruence at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at diffusec. Um, and uh, Omar, I don't know. Is there any other closing? I, I, yeah. Like I said, yeah. I just appreciated the fact that we had a conversation after 20 plus years of, of a lot of greetings. So yeah. I appreciated those greetings too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The conversation's even nicer. So yeah. look forward to continuing it. Thank Me you. Too. And join us for the next episode of Diffuse Congruence. And uh, uh, we'll uh, come to uh, conclude and then continue the story with uh, Aaron Seller. So thanks all for listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs>